Welcome to the Knox Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town, little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm Patrick Teasdale. And I'm Brian Canever. And we are back after an impromptu summer break. We are back with a big episode to fill that number one shaped hole in your heart. Today, we are hosting a one Knoxville season recap with coach Mark McKeever, Captain James Thomas, club partner Drew McKenna, all live in person in the studio. But before we get to them, Brian, how's it been, man? The podcast has been silent for a little bit, but we're back. How are you feeling, man? We know there have been a lot of people probably following us on social media wondering where we've been. And I think we got a little bit of a break, which was nice, but soccer has not had a break. So while one Knoxville season ended, we saw the start of many seasons, including the Lady Vols soccer season. So they started with an away loss to North Carolina, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, then they drew at home 1-1 to SMU this past weekend. I was actually there with my daughter for a daddy-daughter date. And in a couple of days, they will host Duke, the number two team in the country. So Lady Balls are uh, back under Joe Kurt, the new head coach. We've also seen the start of the girls' high school soccer season with Bearden High School, the number two ranked team in the entire country. That's right, the number two team in the country. They started with a whopping 8-0 win over Knox Catholic. And they have the Gatorade Player of the Year. Brinley Murphy, um, who's leading the line for them. She's already committed to South Carolina. She's a senior, so Bearden's got a great team, and, and we're excited to announce that we've actually got a high school correspondent. At this point, you probably already know this, listeners, but Carter Morris joined us, and he's covering one high school girls' soccer game a week, so that's been really exciting. On the national and international stage, we saw Ventura County Fusion win the USL2 championship, a team nobody expected to make it. Uh, they wound up defeating Long Island in the national final. We had the England women win the Euros, so the England men could not do it, but the women came up strong with Chloe Kelly, former Evertonian, getting the 1-0 victory, scoring the goal for England. We saw the U.S. women claim the CONCACAF W Championship. We saw Brazil win the Copa America Women's Championship. And, of course, the EPL season started. Everton... Everton, as usual, have been absolutely horrid. Today they beat uh, 6th or 7th or 10th Division Fleetwood Town 1-0 in the Carabao Cup. Uh, but other than that, they they are still to win a game. They tied uh, most recently uh, 1-1 this past weekend, but they, they started off with a loss to Chelsea, who they will probably sell Anthony Gordon, their only good player, to uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, and Arsenal is top of the league, moving on. And then Leeds, <laughs> Brendan Aronson, yeah, uh, just the, the, the most incredible USA uh, story so leads continuing the Ted Lasso narrative uh, and Jesse Marsh with those jeans. Call it soccer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. We have uh, James, Mark, and Drew here. So let's get into our season recap. Survey the first season on the field. The season started at Austin East High School, more than 2,000 fans in attendance. That game was a 2-1 loss to Asheville City. From there, one Knoxville went on a run of 12 games undefeated, including a away win to South Georgia Tormenta, an away win to SC United Bantams, two of the teams that have historically been the strongest in the division and in the Southern Conference. Finished the regular season and had a Smoky Mountain Series championship to boast about against Asheville. With the redemptive 3-1 win, uh, the Smoky Mountain Series Championship, the Golden Hiking Boot, is only feet from us right now as we speak. Perhaps more importantly than that, the team claimed the South Central Division Championship with a game in hand. In the playoffs, the team won 4-2 over Texas United in the Southern Conference quarterfinals. That thrilling game that went into added time included arguably the goal of the season by James E. Thomas. 
Only USL2 did not see that when they posted their goals of the season. A 2-0 victory over West Virginia United in the Southern Semis. Both those games took place at West High School. Then in the Elite Eight, back at Austin East. The team fell in a chaotic and, again, controversial game. 2-1 to the North Carolina Fusion, last year's USL2 finalists. The finishing record was 13-3-1. That is the kind of winning record that we are not often used to here in Knoxville. So when you guys weigh the season, the highs and the lows, would you call it a success? And let's start with Mark. Ultimately, uh, no. Uh, the, the the expectation was to, to win the big one. So I think... Uh, Looking at our objectives, we fell two trophies short. Um, we wanted to win the conference and we failed in the final, uh, which obviously eliminated us and uh, took away the chance to be national champions. And, and I say it's a failure not because we all failed. I, I think it's a failure in terms of we had the ability to go on and win it. We had the team. But as you guys saw yourselves, sometimes uh, playoff soccer is a little bit of a lottery and we didn't get the, the right lottery card. Um, I would, I would say that, that there was an extreme success in terms of our relationships that we built throughout the season. I'm sure the boss man will go on and talk about the, the community in just a second. But for me, it was more about the relationships we built with the players, the team. Um, and I think those are relationships and experiences that we'll have for the rest of our lives. So a failure overall because we didn't win the national title, but a success with the relationships that we built through the time. So I mean, definitely agree with Mark that, uh, you know, we said from the outset that our goal is to, is to bring trophies to Knoxville. We said that before we knew a golden boot existed. So we were talking about that. <laughs> so yeah, in that way, uh, we, we didn't uh, accomplish the mission, but in so many other ways we did. Before this all started, we said Knoxville's a soccer town and, and Knoxville proved us right. And so, you know, 2200 the first game, 2500 a playoff game, dozens traveling away to Asheville for that, for that match. I mean, things like that, there's no way this wasn't a success. And we, we really feel like we're um, we're at the start of a great, long, successful journey uh, with Knoxville. And some of that, you know, hopefully a part of that was because of decisions we made or things we did. But most of it is because of, of Knoxville and the scruffs and, and the fans and young and old that have that have adopted us as their club. So uh, so in that way, a total success. And, and while on the field, we didn't quite get where we wanted to go. Couldn't be happier with the decision we made on who's leading us technically. Like the fact that we were 13-3-1, and one, you know, in our first season finishing the top eight out of 113 clubs and we leave thinking we needed more that that's the type of leadership you want and so feel really good about our, our technical side headed into the future so along the way we saw thousands of 10 a total of 10 home matches 1,705 average tickets sold. And as we look up the stats, that would be competitive in USL1, a league above us. So we saw the emergence of supporters group, the Scruffs, who were vociferous on the home uh, on home turf. Fans even traveled for a few away matches to Tri-Cities in Asheville. How do you feel about the way the city received this team looking back? Yeah, so grateful. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what we work on or how, how hard we work. We, we could never dictate how this was going to be accepted in Knoxville. It was kind of a, a bet we were making on the community, and that bet was returned, you know, larger than we could have expected. So, so grateful to the Scruffs for leading the charge all season. Too many names to, to run down the list, but obviously the Carnes's, Dakota, Jacob, et cetera, uh, for being there from the start and, and getting us started. But to everybody else who came out to one game or multiple games, it's unbelievable the basis that we started with. There have been so many moments during the season. Mark probably didn't get a lot of these, but I did, where you could kind of look look at the crowd, especially awesome settings like Maryville, and just appreciate what's already here. That said. 
like we think about this club as being at the starting line and our hope is that our soccer community feels the same way. We don't want to see the same types of crowds going forward. We're going to do everything we can to make sure this grows and grows and grows and we're looking at something significantly different in the future. But but for year one, yeah, so grateful for all the support we received. So Mark, you came in with high marks from around the league. You were the first face people identified with the club and a lot of what this team uh, became is grittiness and intensity started with you. What was it like coaching this team? Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable journey. Again, uh, talk about the relationships that were built through the through the highs and the lows. See, you know, so, sometimes uh, you know you you have to fail to understand how to be successful, and and we did that. You know, we we, we failed at the first hurdle, which was Asheville, and it just set a tone because none of us were happy with it. And then we go away to Dalton and we get a tie and uh, there was a little bit of spark after that as well. So that sparked the intensity, that fueled the fire a little bit. And then from there, you know, every kid that, that, that gives me 100% is going to be loved forevermore because it takes a lot to get out in the training ground and do what I expect them to do every single day listen to my old grumpy voice time and time and time again so they did that uh with a tremendous talent and uh i, I think uh I think these boys and the relationships they built, I think it showed uh, to the fans as well. I think you could see there was a, a good bit of camaraderie there. I think the culture was strong. And I think the, the fans embraced that. Um, and the fact that the fran fans embraced it, it pushed the players on even more. They wanted to work even harder for the community. So that's hopefully something we can have a stamp on as we move forward and hopefully as we uh, step up the ladder. From the beginning, you said this was just the first season. In fact, it was posted. This the, one of the hashtags that was popular on social media was "Year One Knox." Uh, this was not a one-off. It was not just the let's experiment and see what soccer can do in the city, and then if it doesn't succeed, we'll just move on from here. There's obviously big ambitions for what this club could become and what the team on the field could achieve. How do you feel like this first summer has maybe paved the way for? soccer in Knoxville and paved the way for what, what one Knoxville can achieve. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is we, we showed Knoxville themselves, right? We showed Knoxville that they are ready to support high level soccer, professional soccer, even if they have, play, have to play at five different venues, even if, you know, Knoxville soccer is playing in Maryville, like they clearly showed themselves that this is something they're ready for and ready to get behind. You know, we had a bet going in that Knoxville would care about winning. I think that was proven correct, right? I think Knoxville cares about winning. I think they appreciated when we won and, and cared when we lost. And, and that's what we asked for, right? We, we want to be held accountable for, for results on the field because we feel like even from a non-competitive non business perspective, if folks care about winning, sport, about your sporting team winning, they're going to be more invested and they're going to support you in a different way as opposed to just family entertainment. So um, so I think that's been proven proven positive as well, right? Like this season could have gone very differently. If we had an average attendance of 400 people, we'd be feel, feeling very different about what our next steps are going to be and where this club can be in five years and 10 years and 20 years. Um, but it went better than expected or at least as good as expected because we have high expectations for ourselves all the time. For us, it's proof positive that what we set out to do can be accomplished, not just because we're surrounding the club with good people, but because Knoxville's ready for it. Marky, any thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on a, a soccer perspective that, you know, we, we, we wanted to build a base for the rest of the club's history. You know, we wanted to build the, the strength to allow us to grow and get bigger and bigger. You know, I think that strength to me was proven in, in the last game when you have kids, parents, players, Owners, coaches, wives crying at the end of the game. Everybody's heart is in this club and 
that shows that we've built the base. I haven't told you this, but I like I was trying everything not to cry, and I turned around. My wife was in the front row; she was crying. I was like, "I'm screwed." <laughs> <laughs> Your, it was your wife. I saw Danny Fernandez crying, and I started crying yeah. because of Danny yeah. Fernandez. Yeah. The Spanish bull cries. I'm, I'm looking around the circle and I see him crying. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I start walking. I have to I have to look this way, you know. And I'm like. Go and get the corner flags. And, and then I did. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to hit on that Mark mentioned, uh, as we continue to drink this delicious Alliance beer, I feel like his answers are going to get longer. <laughs> he mentioned legacy. And before Mark was hired, we we're going through that process, getting to know each other. You know, Mark's ha has a ton of opportunities. He's had so much success to do what he wants. And one of the things he talked about, reasons he this was interesting to him, was was legacy, right? Like we knew at the start we had the opportunity to dictate where this could go, where, where pro soccer in Knoxville could go. And so this is very personal for all of us, that it's not just about us or a business or winning games. It's about legacy for a sport in a city that, that we care about. We mentioned Jamesy Thomas with us on the podcast. Jamesy just rolled in after coaching. Jamesy's been coaching with one of our youth clubs here. Knox Crush embedding himself in the city even further. So Jamesy, do you think from a playing perspective as the leader of this team on the field that the season was a success? I do think it's been a successful first year. Yeah, with everything that's happened in the club, you know, it's that's been so difficult to do. And I think from a playing perspective, we've obviously won the division. Now, I think we had more ambitious goals than that, that we wanted to achieve. And I think we fell short slightly of, of what we wanted to achieve. But, you know, as the season's kind of cooled off and I, I've, I've reflected, you know, massively on, on what we have achieved, you know, we've been a first year club. We've brought in a group of guys that have never played together, really. We had a couple that have played together, but um, we've brought in 40 plus guys that have never played together. We've created a culture that's been fantastic from the staff, through the coaches, to the players. And I think looking back on that, that is something that we can definitely be proud of. And when I look at that, I think, yeah, this this was a success, but that doesn't mean I just want to stop there and we just, you know, kind of take count of what we've got and that's it. Fine, we've hit hit our peak. Nice. There's plenty more to come, and yeah, it's definitely exciting time. So one of the sights of the season uh, that I think fans who actually attended games in person got to experience was watching the coaching staff actually do the warm ups with the players. So we got to see. Mark and Dino doing part of the warm-ups with the players. But I think for many of us, including uh, your podcast host here, we felt very grateful that we didn't have to be out on the field. After years away, Jamesy, you went from playing college soccer at New Hampshire and the Des Moines Menace last summer to coaching with Young Harris and then making your way back into the team at 24, which still feels so young, you are one of the veterans on the team. What was it like for you getting back into match fitness and being a player again at, at this high of a level? I was just excited to have the opportunity to keep playing because, you know, once you go into that coaching side of it, you have those those doubts, those questions. Oh, this is, you know, is this it? Am I ever going to really kind of lace the boots up again? You know, and that goes through your mind. It's kind of a tough period. So first of all, to have the opportunity to come back and keep playing was over the moon at that. There was definitely an adjustment period. I felt like for me personally, probably took me a month to get my legs under me, maybe slightly longer. I was pushing. I don't think that's ever a 
a question for me, my commitment levels, but obviously being out of the game for a year, you know, you do need a little bit of time, but we talked about that before and I chatted to the gaffer and I said to him, look, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen, but you just do you, you push as hard as you can. So I think, yeah, it took me a little bit of time, but towards the end, I felt comfortable with the lads and felt comfortable playing again. And everyone wants to be out on the soccer field. You know, it's what we dream of. And I've kind of got this chance to get back out there and really give it a good go again. So it was definitely an experience, that's for sure. But I feel like by the end of it, I was I was starting to starting to get back to to what I do best, and um, I was getting there in the end <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think the most painful sight for for me at least, and I think for a lot of the fans, was the fact that we didn't get to see you in the last game of the season because mm. uh, you were injured, and it was just like, man, we can't imagine what's going through your head if it's going through our head. But you did get to lead a brand new team with players like Danny Fernandez and Sebastian Andresen, who you knew well already, who you'd played with at the college level and at the USL2 level. Then you had other players like Peter Swinkles and Steven Afrifa, who you were playing with for the first time. What was it like forging an identity in the locker room and on the practice field and on game day? We know from a coaching perspective what it's like to put together a team that's competitive, but then when you're a player and when you're, when you're the voice of the coaching staff in the locker room, what's it like? Uh, forging that identity? First of all, it, it comes from the lads. Like if the lads want to buy into it and they want to be part of it, it's pretty straightforward because you're not trying to manipulate anything. You're just trying to nudge things in, in a certain direction. Um, and the lads that we brought in, I mean, I've got to give massive credit to the coaching staff. The recruiting that they did this summer was spot on. Um, you know, not only playing wise, but just character wise, like the people that they bought in, the personalities they bought in. We had a little bit of everything. We had a little bit of quirkiness in there. We had a little bit of banter in there. We had a little bit of, you know, ego in there as well, which you need in a soccer team. And these guys absolutely nailed it. But it was pretty straightforward to create a culture. Now, obviously, there were some lads in there that had been part of a previous culture that had, you know, worked and we'd obviously you know, had a lot of success. So you want to take things from that, but you don't want it just to be, oh, well, we did this last year. Oh, well, we did that last year. You know, we don't want it to be the same because it's a new club. It's a new identity. There's new lads. Everything's new. So we want to take the best of this and then we want to kind of let this evolve and let it happen. And I, I think there was no manipulation, especially from my part or from anyone else's part. It was just about getting these getting these lads together and, and letting it evolve, like I say. So um, there was certain things we took from, you know, previous experience, like we had a fines list, uh, we had a fine system and, um, you know, there was that kind of keeps everyone in line and it kind of sets standards and stuff. And um, we obviously had a, a group of guys in there that knew how, you know, how the gaffer worked, how, how the other coaches worked as well. So if there was anyone that didn't kind of agree with what was happening, which always happens, we could kind of say, look, look, this is the way it's worked in the past. It has worked. There's been success. And we're hoping you kind of jump on board. And for the most part this summer, everyone did. Um, so, it, yeah, you put good people in a good place, good things happen, right? So, there you go, yeah. Yeah, I'll pick that up somewhere along the, along the road. Before we go into the lightning round of questions for the lads, let's take a short break to thank our sponsors. Markman's is a proud sponsor of the Knox Soccer Podcast and One Knoxville SC, located at 6932 Kingston Pike. Markman's has been Knoxville choice for diamonds and fine jewelry since 1976. Visit markmandiamonds.com. 
with the women's Euros, the start of the EPL, as well as local high school soccer. Soccer never sleeps and neither does Markman's. Jeff and his team have been gearing up for their busy season. So if you're in the market for diamonds, fine jewelry, luxury watches, Markman's is your go-to team. Let them know that the Knox Soccer Podcast sent you. Also, Alliance Brewing Company, partner of One Knoxville SC and brewers of One Knox Club Lager welcomes soccer fans, whether locals or visitors to town. Venue of choice for several local European supporters clubs. Alliance has been the home of soccer in K-Town for years. And if a match is available for viewing in the U.S., they most likely have it on. 12 taps of delicious craft beer allow for a proper pint while cheering on your favorite club. Whether it's a dry Irish stout on a Premier League morning or a Czech Pilsner during a European night, Alliance will have the match on and beer flowing. The beautiful game deserves a beautiful pint. Find both at Alliance Brewing Company, 1130 Severe Avenue. Alliance also provided us with the aforementioned Club Lager and Czech Pilsners, as well as the Kolsch for this podcast recording. The Club Lager was the first to go, then the Kolsch, and for the lightning round, we got to the Czech Pilsner. Thank you, Markmans and Alliance, for sponsoring the Knox Soccer Podcast. Now, back to the One Knox season recap. So I think now we move on to the lightning round, right, Patty? Lightning round, right. So, so I'll just ask you guys a couple different things, and you guys can just chime in. What is one of your most memorable moments of the season? Yeah, mine's different than theirs, I'm sure, so I'll go first. This is personal, but like the first, the first practice was a mind-blowing experience for me because we've been working on this for so long, and obviously knew Mark and James, but a lot of these guys I didn't know. And one Knox had been a brand, had been merch, had been events at Mill and Mine, but had never been soccer. And so like the first time, I'll never forget the first practice. It totally blew my mind and was the start of something awesome. The first practice was special for me. Yeah, I've got a wee bit of a different flavor in my answer. <laughs> and, and honestly, it's not it's not football related. My best experience this summer was when there was a malfunction with the, the national anthem and our fans started taking over the national. I felt as though I'd just won the World Cup. <laughs> You know, I was ready to start doing backflips. I just I get goosebumps, the hairs in my arms, and I've got a lot of hairs in my arms. I started standing up. Goodness, just shivers down my spine, and I was like, man, what a decision I've made to come to this city. I love it. I love it. So that was that was, that was was a chilling moment for me. Wonderful. Yeah, my one was uh, after the, I can't remember what game it was. It was at Maryville, and we were watching the Asheville game. And if they didn't win... It meant that we won the league. So we'd obviously just finished our game, you know, we'd just stretched and then we're all on the pitch, you know, huddled around like two iPhones like that, you know, waiting to see, is this it, is this it? And obviously when when the final whistle blew in that game and, you know, we kind of erupted and it was like, wow, we've actually done this, you know, in our first year. So that would be my my favourite memory from this summer, yeah. So we obviously have our personal favourites for goal of the season, but we're curious, what was your favourite goal or your goal of the season. I mean, James is sitting here, so we all have to say the James goal. Yeah, so I my preference obviously was the the Jamesy Thomas, the the second goal at Texas United, which was the Moses Mensa flick back. Mm-hmm. And uh Jamesy, you said afterward you don't score a lot of goals. Uh and your dad reminded you of that after the game. So they don't have a lot to celebrate, but you scored two on that night and that second one was incredible. I actually playing in an adult soccer league last week, somebody came up to me and was like, dude, when I heard your voice 
after he scored that goal where you were just like, ah! I think that's how everybody felt after watching that. So that's my favorite goal. But what what, what are your all's favorite goals? Yeah, I, I probably have too many favorites to, to mention any one particular. As you've probably noticed, I, I try not to pick uh, individuals out of the group too often. Yeah, there's there's too, too many. I think uh, from a a footballing perspective, the first uh, quality stamp that we had in the footballing moment was probably away to Tennessee United when uh, Steven scored that goal. Uh, emotions, you know, I think seeing Seba out for so long, coming back from an injury, it's a, it's a wee bit in my heartstrings. This guy miskicking it into the top corner. <laughs> yeah, so that might be my worst and favourite moment of the season, saying, why is my right wing back... <laughs> Playing with the left wing back and the left side and try to curl the ball into the top corner. How does that happen? <laughs> but it did. So every goal is a good one. So uh, they, yeah, they, they all stand out. Um, Zion stands out as well against Tormenta at Tormenta because it was a massive. Yeah. That was a massive turning point. That was that was huge. That set our journey and fire that goal. So. Again, every goal has significance. I think, yeah, too, too many to say this is the stamp, you know. Uh, these guys are going to laugh at me for this one, but uh, Alex Abril's goal uh, against Texas. <laughs> why yeah, for, is that? Uh, for yeah, selfish, that one. For extremely selfish reasons. <laughs> no, first of all, like James, you said, all like all our boys were good good kids, and they all are. But Abril is like an awesome, awesome, awesome guy. I got to know him a little bit during the season and, and just loved him as a guy. But And then that game, right, Texas United was 9-0-5. Like, they were a team that didn't lose, right? So we, we were up 3-2, but I knew that – I just felt like it wasn't going to end 3-2, right? Is it going to be 3-3 three, three, or is it going to be 4-2? And I felt like we needed, needed another. And uh, I was so happy for Alex to – to get that for himself and and then of course like my ability to insert myself in it was a <laughs> big part of it jamesy did you have a favorite goal this season yeah when when steven uh scored away at Asheville because that put us three one up and obviously we'd gone to two nil up and it was it was a chippy game you know the fans were getting on to us we were we were giving it back we you know we kind of lost ourselves a little bit you know, but we were really running that line and we were being pushed to it, to be fair. Obviously, they've scored, the kids scored a great free kick. He's absolutely picked out the stanchion. So it's 2-1, it's tight, it's kind of, you know, nerve-wracking. Everything's going on and then for Steven, just go and stick it in the bottom corner. You know, 3-1, 90th minute, that's a game winner, you know, and I think that was like our biggest hump coming into that. We said, if, if we win this, we're going on to win this league, you know? So to win it like that, and for our fans that had traveled as well, like they traveled, you know, two and a bit hours, something like that. So for them to be there too and then celebrate that that goal was, uh, yeah, it was that was pretty special to me. I'd say that was my favorite. What do you mean you were running the line? You get, you get sent off. Uh, That's not running the bloody line. Uh, well, my line's a bit higher than most people. Yeah, yeah, mine's uh, mine's pretty high there. It's like, yeah, I wasn't. I was. That's my first red card ever. And if you said to everyone, James has been sent off, what do you reckon it's for? They'd say, oh, it's a, it was a bad tackle or it's a, you know, last man, he's brought someone down or something like that. But I would guess Zlatan Ibrahimovic, scissor kick yeah. into a forward, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, Eric Cantona flying the crowd with me. But it was, it was just running on the field, like, because I just, I got excited. And it was... Are you going to trust? Toss Trapman under the bus here, or are you not? Uh, oh, no, nah, never, never stitch your teammates up, right? <laughs> never stitch them up. But Tra Trapman was in, Ryan Trapman was involved too, but we'll leave it at that. But yeah, it was a, it was a bit silly for me. So, all right, next one. 
most fun as a team moment most fun i'll go first i think that we do a karaoke at the start um about probably two weeks in i'd say something like that and that's like a proper icebreaker you know so you kind of go through that pre-season bit where everyone's getting to know each other we'd created the group chat back in february so we knew faces there was a little bit of banter to cling on to but when you do the karaoke, it completely shatters the ice. Is everyone required to sing? Like you have yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this year we did uh, we did rooms, basically duos. And you see some interesting combos, you know, and you see what lads are like under pressure, like who kind of goes quiet, who who takes the lead, who takes their shirt off, which you can probably imagine who that was. <laughs> oh, big, big server, yeah. He, he gets into it, so he had his shirt off. What's but, your yeah. karaoke song? Go-to karaoke song. Well, I like to change it up, but... I can't remember what I did this year. I was supposed to do it with Ami and then he bottled it. He didn't want to know. My biggest one that I've done was Like a Virgin by Madonna because I did that my freshman year at Young Aris on the bus. <laughs> so that's like my, that's my kind of where my head goes. Yeah, lads were loving it, man. Yeah, it was a good one. Mark, you could answer most fun moment or favorite karaoke song. Ash Villaway. Ash fell away. It was uh, to see uh, to see just the elation on the players' faces. It started with air and then obviously it bled into the crowd. But I think uh, the boss man sitting next to me nearly jumped completely over my shoulders when we <laughs> scored that. So he probably should have been sent off as well, to be quite <laughs> frank. <laughs> probably got a wee bit lucky. But uh, to see his elation, uh, the players' elation, the fans that travelled, their elation... It was a it, it was a peak moment in our in our season. It was a massive moment, and then obviously the icing and the and the cake is the big giant golden boot at the end of the table. That was good. Oh uh, yeah, Asheville away from me. I'm I'm trying to think who wasn't there, right? Besides the boys who traveled, that felt like everybody was there. Obviously the boots big, like that was fun. But we knew how important it was for the season and for and for the division, and and so for yeah for everybody to be there for that with a couple dozen supporters and there's those pictures of the supporters on the field with us after the game with the boys after the game it's yeah so special you two were i think we're both were there as well so really really awesome night and even like even that as well they're they're a really good side like you know that that first half that we played obviously there was no goals but the quality of that first half i watched it back and i was like blimey that's that's a pro game you know that really is at a pro level I've had uh, a lot of people say that to me. Yeah. Um, that that was as close to a USL one game as you're go- going to get without it being the USL one. So, and honestly, I think Asheville was as good as any any team that we played oh, against yeah. the whole season, even in playoffs. And I think, you know, if they had if they had the light, right lottery ticket in that playoff moment, uh, I mean, they were good enough to go the distance as we were. So, I think that was a really really strong contest that speaks volumes to go in and win the division with that type of talent. All right, so I've heard a little bit about the road trips. We actually had Ami on the podcast for that Tennessee SC game that uh, was not televised. That was the second game of the season where the game was delayed three or four hours. I think it finished at two or three in the morning, but we we got to hear about the epic Seba Andreasen DJ uh, moment. I also heard about a road trip moment where there were no showers at one of the games, and so uh, the players did not get an opportunity to shower. Uh, what's the best or the most memorable road trip moment? I know what they're going to say. I, I wasn't at Tormenta. Tormenta was awesome, <laughs> but I wasn't there. Tormenta was my least favorite road trip because I was sitting on my couch with it. <laughs> Less than a, a non-Big Slate stream. It was really frustrating. Uh, but I mean, Asheville is the easy answer. Banthams was cool too because, you know, when you get to spend more time with the boys and have cool conversations, stuff like that, that was great. So Asheville's easy, but but Banthams, um, I had a good talk with Sebo of all people that morning 
maybe just hanging out in the, in the lobby and just, like moments like that are cool. So on to Tormenta. Yeah, Tormenta for me was, uh, again, it was that moment where we'd just been working and working and working and got some wins. And that was, that was a massive, massive point uh, in the season. Just the circumstances that surrounded it. We played on the Saturday. Um, we had a, I don't know, was it 4-1-1 against Dalton? Is that mm. what it was? And, and so the emotions are high after that, but you have to jump in a bus then the next day to travel. And it turns into an eight-hour journey by the time you stop. And then... The next day, uh, with a lot of adversity with the weather, there was weather delays, so it got even later. So you can imagine these these guys, the fatigue that they had to go through, the mental toughness that they had to show. So, And then with the, the flow of the game going against us uh, twice, you know, and, and still coming back and getting getting the win, it was, uh, th there was a lot of release in, in that, that bus. And um, I, I don't think James did sing Like a Virgin on the way home, but... I, I think there was a few other songs, there was, songs, there was songs so. at the top of our lungs. I think, uh, yeah, I think we were all uh, speechless when we came back, voices broken. But we arrived home that uh, that next morning, I think it's 7 a.m. So that was a crazy, crazy three days, four days. And, you know, I know for me, it was, I, I took th three days to recover after it, you know, um, just yeah, very, very draining. A lot of energy went into those moments. So, but, um, yeah, that was a wee bit of coming together, wasn't it? It was a wee bit of the guys who might have been, or might have felt as though they were outside the bubble, had been brought inside the bubble at that point, and they felt part of it. Uh, you know, that was a, a wee bit of the glue that started connecting the pieces together. So big moment, massive moment, lots of songs sung. Yeah, that 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 was it for me. Tormentor mm -hmm. away, the the bus home. It was a, yeah, it was a, it was a good place to be. I also think I enjoyed Tri Cities away because it was just a bit of a mess when we got there. The pitch isn't great, you know. The locker room was, was weird. We didn't have a speaker, so it was we were playing songs on someone's laptop. We had someone's laptop open. It was just like YouTube on or something. And it was, it had all the feelings of like a banana skin. We went out there and there was problems with the kits. They had a white kit on when they should have had a blue kit on, apparently, Amy says. They should have had, they should have had a blue kit on. Um, and we obviously had our cream kit on and the rest, the, I remember the refs saying to me, uh, do you have another shirt? I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just here to play football, you know what I mean? So everything was kind of going against us. And then we went out there and we were actually really good. Like we played, yeah, we played really well. And we, I mean, we battered them. We beat them 4-0, but we were just far better. Everyone, you know, was involved. We had lads coming off the bench that were fantastic. So all of that adversity. And then we kind of came out. Yeah, that was a good one for me. But Tormentor away, the bus home was, yeah, that was definitely the best best road trip. <laughs> With all our different locations that uh, you guys played at, a lot of different uh, places to practice at, as well as Samson Field, um, what was your best practice moment or uh, memorable practice moment, if there was any? I can pinpoint an actual, like, I know there was moments where we walked away and the competitiveness and the quality, but to pinpoint exactly when it happened, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'll tell you a good moment when Leo got involved at the end of the season, because Leo came in, I mean, he's a boy. He's, he's what is he, 15, 16? And he's come in and he was, he was like a boy amongst men, you know, some of the lads we've got in there, you know. But 
over the couple of weeks he was there, by the end of it, I remember one training session at the end where he was a neutral. So he's kind of playing on both teams, whichever's got possession. And he's like demanding the ball and going inside, wasn't he? And combining in it was like, what, what's going on here? You know, what's come out of it? And like, sometimes people would kind of go at him because he was, you know, making the same mistake over and over and over again, which we say, look, people are making the same mistake. It's a problem, you know? And in that training session, if people were kind of making the same mistake, he would be onto them and, you know, it was kind of like a, oh, all right, this kid's definitely got something, you know? So I think from the end of the season, but obviously the practices, they just kind of all roll into one, don't they? You know, because it's just day after day after day. After yeah, I've, I've got one. Uh, and uh, th this, uh, I think, was a, a, a turning point in the, uh, the scope or the dynamics of the group uh, that showed everybody was, in, everybody was at ground level. A certain individual um, who was out always working at training uh, went away and left his water bottle. The boss man walked away, uh, left his water bottle and had to go through the fine system and he had to roll the dice like everybody else had to roll the dice. There was no exemption. So again, it shows that we were all at ground level and we were all working it together, players, coaches, staff, ownership group, brilliant. I thought that was funny until I was making cookies at like 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so what was, what was the penalty? Did you have to run suicides? Did you have to, you so, have to make yeah, the penalty system, James, you can talk about more. You roll a dice and each number has a different penalty. And I think six is six cookies. Six is cookies, yeah. Five was karaoke. Five was cookies. Five was cookies. Yeah, I know, oh, I know six. my cookies. <laughs> four, four was karaoke, five was cookies, and six was a Dino drop kick. So Dino, so we'd all, we'd, we've done our stretch, everything after practice, put the balls away, put all the equipment away. And if you roll a six, Dino gets one of the balls out and just smacks it as far as he can. And at Sansom, he's trying to clear the back fence. I don't think he ever did it, but he's basically just trying to kick it as far. And you just got to go and get it and bring it back. But if Dino didn't kick it far enough, he would then get fined. So he was kind of... <laughs> yeah. I, think I love he, this. He did get it a couple of times. Um, and then the first three of the dice, so one, two, and three were the nice ones. So one was not guilty. Two is pick someone else. And three is roll again. So you've got like, there's a gamble there, you know? Sometimes you get let off and sometimes, you know, you're cooking cookies at <laughs> 10 o'clock in the evening. I think they're the best cookies of the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of cookies, speaking of food, you know, this one might be easy for you. Favorite Knoxville eatery. We know Hard Knocks Pizza was one of the sponsors of the club. Alexis Sponsi over there, who's incredible. And we saw several photos of the team hanging out at Hard Knocks Pizza. But favorite Knoxville eatery, particularly for all of you guys, since you're you're newer to the Knoxville area, uh, what places did you fall in love with? I mean, Hard Knocks was brilliant when we all went there. Like, yeah, the pizza's quality, but I don't eat pizza much. But I went the other day and I had a curry at a place called Sitar. Oh, wow. So Sierra was out. She'd gone to her mum's. She was getting her hair done back there. So I was on my own. So I put the USL on and I was like, oh, I need something here. So I went out and got a curry on my own. I took the dog with me, Macy, and then we brought it back. I had this curry. Oh, it was quality. It was so good. So I've got to say that's probably it for me now. Yeah, I'll need some help with uh, the name of the one. Uh, but my favourite place uh, to go, and it's also my son's favourite. He loves the paella. Is that how you pronounce it? And it's the, the place that the team ate in the, the first night. Everybody came in on the first night. and Babaloo. It's yeah, called Babaloo. So 
obviously taking my wife there, taking the wee man there, and the, the wee man is just mad crazy for this paella. So I end up getting all the rice out in my paella, and he gets all the fish. <laughs> so he gets my, my shrimp and my mussels or whatever else is in there, and I end up with two bowls of rice, and he ends up with hundreds of, hundreds of fish. So uh, For me, it's R.I.P. Fai Tai. Fai Tai is my joint on uh, Gay Street. They just closed down. They're a real good kitchen now, but we brought Marky and Dino and Nick there one day too. Best Thai food I've ever had. So love Fai Tai. Bring back Fai Tai. Favorite Knoxville or East Tennessee spot? Where is a good place that you enjoyed to get out in nature or enjoy the city? It seemed like on the socials, the whole team enjoyed to go to Meads Quarry and be out at Imes. Favorite spot to relax in Knoxville? Flagship pool. Flagship pool, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was convenient after training. Yeah, no, we we like the pool at, at Flagship Kearns, to be fair. There is a there's a little park just down the road that me and Sierra go to. I think it's called like Suntry Landing, some, something like that. Suntry Landing, that's where I took my wife on our first date and where I proposed to her a year later. Ooh. Wow, really? There you oh, go. Yeah. There you so go. Beautiful we, park. Yeah, we, we went, we took Macy down there towards the end of the season. We liked it. It's nice and it was just us two. So probably say that was a nice kind of relaxing spot i always want to be in the in the smokies more I, my favorite hike is allen cave trail but um every time i look at them i'm like man i wish i had more time to get over there so i enjoy the the vibes of just hanging out in market square you know and uh going for a lunch there and how many times i've seen uh one Knox jerseys walking around market square um obviously the there's the soccer place there, is it Soccer Tackle? Um, the old office was there, so lots lots of good memories from Market Square this summer. I enjoy it, it's just got a great vibe to it. Really, uh, really slow paced, uh, and everybody just seems to be friendly. Several times uh, people have recognized who I was as well, which was just, just great, you know. Good luck in your next game, coach. Congratulations on the season, coach. So it's only small, but it means the world, you know, it means the world. One thing I will say, real quick is I've loved seeing the one Knoxville crest in so many different places. And so I was at a lady balls game this past weekend and we saw one Knoxville jerseys, one Knoxville crest. Sometimes I'm driving and I have a one Knoxville uh, magnet on my car. I also have an Emerald four soccer club magnet on my car because I coach there and I've seen at least three other cars in Knoxville that have both of those magnets and I have to resist honking the horn and being like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we actually have two more questions for you. This is from the podcast listeners we know we played at several different home venues this season which home venue was your favorite to play at and why the pitch at maryville was like phenomenal yeah especially towards the end of the season i just couldn't be i remember the first time walking out there down those steps and i was like really like this is where we're playing <laughs> you know it was had a really good setup and all the boards were there and the bleachers and everything and then when the fans started piling in it was that was special. So I really enjoyed playing there. I also enjoyed West, obviously, because of the Texas United game and obviously scored a couple of goals, which is always a nice feeling. But I think Maryville College for the pitch, for the for the facility that we were playing on, yeah, was was really special. Yeah, I think they all had their separate identities. Some again, I don't want to I don't want to point one out over the other. I think uh, the identity obviously was a first game at uh, Austin East. Great memories from Austin East. The atmosphere probably at West from the fans and the, the ability to, to sit on both sides and some behind the goals, I think, uh, was wonderful. And then obviously the, the, the playing facility at, at Maryville was fantastic as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold off and putting any before the other there. Yeah, grateful for all of 
for the folks who worked with us to 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 let us put our first season together. Catholic is will be cool for me down the road. That's where my boys will go to high school one day. So that'll always be a cool memory to have our second and third games ever being over there. But as I think about like what will be special about year one, it's like the Maryville, um environment, right? The pitch was unbelievable, as Jamesy said, but just like, I mean, that was year one, right? Like the lawn chairs out on the touchline, like that was so cool and so unique and that'll never happen again in, in one Knox history. So I can imagine thinking back in 10, 20, 30 years, being able to say like, yeah, I was at those Maryville games will be a unique thing. So that was really special. Also from the fans on Instagram, who is likely to make the squad next year, myself or Brian? A few stats to help your decision. <laughs> Brian has a newly built bionic foot, but he is a long-winded question asker. Myself, I have a newly bolstered spirit due to Arsenal's great start uh, in the EPL, but I am a short-winded question asker. So who's likely to make the squad next year, Brian or myself? What do you think, James? Well, I'm not having either of you because... <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna right we're gonna get ready for a game and he's gonna be in the locker room chatting so we're not gonna get him out of build and we can't have any more arsenal out there so I, I'm, I'm not sure i've got an answer for you <laughs> i don't think honestly i don't think i can make it through even like the warm-ups of a training session at this point in my in my soccer career although i did mention earlier that i did score quite the goal in uh, my return to soccer adult rec league yeah. soccer b division uh, a couple of weeks ago oh really wow mark who do you have i'm sitting in the fence <laughs> for the 17th time tonight um j just uh yeah i don't know i can back the arsenal or the everton so I don't know. It's a tough one for me. It's my daughter one. is named after Scotland. Her name is Alba. And so I yeah. was hoping that might lead in. You know, at least have me be a, a practice player, you know? That, James, you stole my thunder because I, I had the right answer, which was neither for sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, quit dreaming. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. That's all we got for you today. Mark, James, Drew, thank you so much for a wonderful inaugural season and sitting down with us to reminisce about it. And so, yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Thank, thank you, guys. Hey, Cheers. quick shout out to Knox Soccer Pod. Like, we talk about Knox being a soccer town, and what you guys are doing is is a huge part of that. You're building a platform, not just to celebrate one Knox, but to celebrate all of soccer in Knoxville. So, so grateful for the work you guys do, and here's to many more years. We appreciate you, boys. Dear listener, follow along at knoxsoccerpodcast.com. There, we have a high school game of the week blog post every week from now until the end of October. Be sure to subscribe to get notified when those go live. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, telling us where you're listening from and what you love about the show. On Twitter and Instagram, we are taking requests for what high school matches we should cover. So tweet at us. Stay tuned to the pod feed every other week for new episodes and knocksoccerpodcast.com for weekly content. All right, see you in two weeks. Rob McElhaney and Humphrey Kerr, when you hear this, One Knoxville SC and Wrexham AFC share so much in common, so let's chat about it. Please return this pod call at knocksoccerpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, you can bring Ryan Reynolds if you have to.